Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Who's that, Saints? That's us. That's the City on a Hill. I went searching through the internet to look for a city on a hill. It's a city somewhere. I'm not sure where it is. But that's us. We can't be hidden. We're a city on a hill. Huh? We're in, this, we're in a neighborhood you can't, especially at night, you can't go by. That's us. And, and the corporate prayer and, and, and the Lord's table, the, people can't go by without seeing us. Uh, before I actually get into my sermon, I had a, a Martin Luther story. Um, you might know this. Um, I just found out when I read a book. Uh, there was a preacher by the name of Michael King who went to Europe in the 1930s on a church tour. He was a, he was a preacher, he was a pastor. And when he was in Germany, he was so enthralled by what he found out about Martin Luther that he changed his name from Michael King to Martin Luther King. He had a son named Michael King Jr., who he then changed his name to Martin Luther King Jr. I didn't know that. And on Martin Luther King weekend, where we, um, what do we do? We remember what a great man he was and what he tried to do and how Martin Luther before him was the same. Two men really changing history. So I thought it was very interesting that I, I never knew that. But at the end of this article, I was reading Eric Metaxas' book on Martin Luther. They said, um, that's why all of Martin Luther King's family and friends would call him Michael. I had heard that years ago, but I never, I, it, I forgot about it. So, a very interesting fact, huh? I thought so. Okay. Let me start with a story about, uh, I'm going to start with a story from Daniel, uh, chapter 3, where King Nebuchadnezzar gets a little bit too big-headed, right? He starts getting detached from reality, and the whole society actually gets detached from reality, and he starts to build this big uh, bronze monument of himself, and he then has people blow horns and if you don't bow down right to worship him you get there's something's going to happen so they find out that there's three guys Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego or as the pastor in our church used to call in Connecticut he used to call them my shack your shack and a bungalow <laughs> um, these three don't don't bow down and he gets so upset that he says I'm going to throw you guys in the flames and um That's a picture, but by the way, that's not a far... Uh, that's kind of how the structure of that furnace looked from what I, my research I did. Um, he said to them, I'm making this furnace seven times hotter than I normally do. Seven times, because you guys, there's going to be nothing left to you when I'm done. Matter of fact, the guys who threw them in, if you read the scriptures, they died because they got close to the flames and they were burnt. But what happened to this gentleman? They came out because he looked, the king looked in there and he saw a fourth person. He said, he looks like a son of God in there. And they came out. There wasn't a smell. There wasn't anything. There weren't, their eyebrows weren't even singed. You know, there was nothing wrong with them. Here's my point, saints. And uh, this is something coming from me. This society we're in is on its way to detaching itself from reality. What's right is wrong, and what's wrong is right. We celebrate sin, and a baker has to pay $135,000, right? Because they wouldn't do 
something that they thought was against their beliefs, and the state came in and said, you're going to pay, and they just upheld it if you just read the news. But listen, five years from now, you may lose your job because you're a Christian. I don't know if it's five or ten or fifteen. Outside of the Lord coming, my own opinion, right? Jesus said to the, to the, the, the religious leaders of the time, he said, you, you read the signs of the times, right? You look up in the skies, you see, well, there's red sky at night. Tomorrow's going to be good, right? We know that red sky at night, sail is delight. But we don't recognize the times we're in. So we've got to take a step back and say, what's happening around us? And in my opinion, except for the move of God, it's going to get rougher for us. It's going to get much rougher for us. It's going to get seven times rougher for us. And you say, oh, Ted, that was 2,600 years ago. Societies today don't get detached from reality. How could that? That's just, that's an old story. Oh, how about Germany in the 1930s? How about South Africa? Up until Mandela came in. How about North Korea today? So maybe it's not the people's fault, you know what I'm saying? But these are societies and states that are detached from reality. I just read last night on Twitter where Pierre Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, just told pro-life groups, no more money from the state for you. I mean, inch by inch, little by little, that heat's coming. And we have to get, we have to get ready for it. As, as our friend Bob Dylan said, a change is, what does what does it go? A change is about, change, things are about, uh, things are a changing, right? Times are a changing, that's it. So I'm not a big Dylan fan, but I sort of didn't know. I don't know, kind of think he's overrated. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sister. Um, so how do we escape these flames, right? How do we escape from society without escaping to a monastery and running away? How do we stay intact, especially in these... Uh, listen, if things are on their way to getting seven times hotter, um, aren't they almost already seven times hotter politically? Right? I don't care who you voted for. You can't talk to your person. You can't talk to your kids sometimes about, about politics these days, right? I mean, it's unbelievable what's happened. Um, the, the, the fissure that's happening, the same thing is going to happen on the church side, right? The enemy just sort of copycats what, what goes on in, in, in the spiritual realm. But I heard one preacher say, listen, in these political times, don't move more to the right. Don't move more to the left. Move closer to Jesus, right? Don't go right. Don't go left. Go deeper. And that's where we escape, saints. That's how we hold on to him. You know, like this, the, the woman who had the issue of the bleeding for all those years, she grabbed onto that robe and she wasn't going to let go. I don't think she just kind of, she must have grabbed on and, and that's what we have to, I think, in, in order to survive these days as Christians. In terms of our relationship with the Lord, in terms of how do we do this now? How do we move up? It, how do I get closer to him? How do I follow him closer? Do I do it with my head? To do it with my heart? How do I do this? It's interesting. Um, some of you may know Henry Cloud, who wrote Boundaries. I just got an email. I get his weekly emails. And his title was, um, Who's in Charge, My Head or My Heart? So I think it's, a, it's an interesting topic in terms of we need to get closer. How do I do it? How, how do I, in this term, do I read more? Do I pray more? Of course you do. But, but, but how do I, you know, we always want to say, do I just memorize scripture? Do I just sit and meditate? Do I just pray? And I think if we're going to, if we're going to actually be this light on the hill that we are and stay that light on the hill, 
let's show you a few ways that we, that we did this. We're going to talk about a guy named Peter who had one lesson uh, from his head and one lesson from his heart that got him to where he thought he was following Jesus. I mean, he was. There was different levels. When Jesus was, was preaching out there, there, were, there, were the, there was the Sadducees and there were the crowds, right? And then there were the followers and then there were the 70 and then there were the 12 and then there were the three. And Peter was like in the three. So you would have thought he's just following Jesus as close as he could go. But good old Peter. You know, he, Peter, he, Peter followed Jesus with his head and with his heart. I mean, the guy jumped out of a boat twice, right? First to, to walk on water and second in John 21, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So he really, he really jumped before he thought. And, and he also with his head. Remember when, when, um, when Jesus said, I have to go up to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. We're going to, they're going to persecute me. And, and what did Peter say? He said, oh, this isn't going to happen to you, Lord. Because Peter with his head was saying, this is not the way the story is going to end. You're, you know, you're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to take over here. We're taking over from the Romans. This is a political move, too. They all were thinking that if you look back and you read from the, from the scholars who talk about it. There was this whole thing of how politics always tries to get involved with, with what's going on with God. So something extraordinary happened to Peter. From the Peter of the denial to the Peter of the Pentecost, what happened in there? Of course, there was the, there was the death and resurrection and the Pentecost. But there's a few other things I want to focus on today about what happened to him. The Peter, remember the night he denied Christ? He was standing by a charcoal fire. And a young maiden, a young lady started asking him questions. And he really was shaking in his boots from a, a young, maybe a slave girl that was talking to him. Big Peter. He, was, he could have run and hide. And then just 55 days later, 60 days later... He's, he's preaching at Pentecost, right? He's preaching in front of thousands, unashamedly, unabashedly, just preaching in front of the state and the church, the Romans and, and, and the, the Sadducees. What, what brought him to that point? Well, he had two lessons, one of the heart and one of the head. I'm going to go back to that and sit on, on that for a while because um, I was thinking about the slides that we were doing. Actually, let's go to John 6. We were just talking about, about the table, weren't we? The table's been so fundamental to the church. And it wasn't a church back then when Jesus said these words. But it was so fundamental to the church that even at the beginning, there was a problem, right? So Jesus starts talking about this. And you can read in, in red as I'm talking. Jesus comes up and says, um, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood in order to have life, eternal life. And the saints were saying, all the, the disciples were saying, what, what's, what's he talking about? This is very difficult. Jesus' ministry was really moving at this point, really moving. It was getting to the point where there's a problem here with the, with the governing authorities. And Jesus, like Gideon, said, I think there's a bit too many people here. We're going to go from 30,000 to, what did he go from 30,000 to 300? And Jesus said, it's time to start winnowing the flock. That's really what happened. And he started, if you look at the, here, it says, it was such a difficult thing. Look at verse 66. When he talked about eating the flesh, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, who have my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. From this time on, many of his disciples turned back from him. Not just his followers. 
Not just the crowd, not just the people on the edges. Maybe some of the 70s said, this is really too difficult. I, I don't understand this at all. Right? This, this, is, this is difficult stuff because they weren't getting it with their head. Right? And they thought, I have to understand this. So I'm going to give you some modern translations of what happened. Uh, when you start really um, researching, as someone like James would do, and I just do lightly, you go to verse 60, right, 66. Now, 67, Jesus says, do you want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered, saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Bible scholars will say, those are kind of like the high points of a conversation. There was probably a bit more give and take that was going on there. And I'd like to give you my uh, modern version for the modern Long Islander. So, so Jesus is talking and everyone's leaving and Jesus is one of these. Hey guys, you're going to leave me too? Are you leaving me too? And you know what Peter said? I'd like to. I don't like what's going on. I don't like what I just heard. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure if I like you. Do you understand that this, you just crashed and burned, Jesus? I don't get what's going on with you. What happened? Why did you do this? Everything was moving so well. Um, I was a happy camper. I left, but now I left my family a minute. Look at all the people leaving. What's going on with you? Peter wasn't getting it in his head, right? But Peter, in the midst of all his confused, fantastic words, he says, where shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. I want to say a couple things about this, and I think this is the crux of what I want to say about being the head, you know, coming out of the head. Peter said, I realize I'm better off not getting it with you than getting it with somebody else. Please hear me. Jesus, uh, Peter said to Jesus, I realize following you and not getting it completely is better for me than getting it with somebody else. Got it? I can get into Eastern meditation. I can, get into, I can be, follow Buddha. I can follow Socrates. And I can get that 100%. But Peter said, I get it, Jesus. I, I kind of get it now with that revelation that I understand not getting it. Like I said this up once before, and I'll say it again. Christianity is like driving down a road with a dirty windshield into sunset. Am I on the road? Am I, am I doing it right? Am I going to get there? Right? Don't you think that? And that's exactly what Jesus is leading us to. We're so left... Since, since the Reformation and the Enlightenment and the printing press, we're so left-brain oriented as a society. I'm sorry to go this way, but if you can't prove Jesus or God in a, in a, in a scientific uh, laboratory, repeatable, this new, people don't care about God anymore, right? You can't prove him. I don't need that because we're thinking so left-brain. And Jesus wants to, wants to get us to start out and take a step out into, I don't get it, Jesus, but I'm going to follow you anyway. Right? That's what faith is all about. Right? If you, if you, Thomas Merton, he's a, a, a Catholic um, monk who passed away. He said, if you find God with great ease and you understand God with great ease, maybe it's perhaps not God you found at all. Huh? Kind of funny, but I think there's a lot of people out there that go to different churches that think they found God, right? And they really haven't. Because they put him in, they take him out of his pocket on Sunday, and then they go do what they want to do. They think I've got this formula down. It's all in the head, and they didn't realize that 
this is a walk of faith, saints. I'm not saying put your head on the, on the side. Because I'm going to go into something about um, uh, some things a little on, a bit more scientific. But um, as I get older, I realize, and I'm, I'm quoting from another one of my Catholic friends, it's not about being correct. It's about being connected. Right? The Christian faith, the Christian walk. I thought, even the word Christian today, I think we should just say, if somebody says to me, what are you? I would just say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Right? Because if you say Christian, they think right-wing, fundamentalist, nutcase. Okay, if I'm that, I'm that. That's fine. But you know what I mean? It's got so many tags onto it. We want to tell the world of the city on the hill, there's a better story out there. He, th- this is God who... God came down and he, Jesus went to the cross and he changed God's mind about us, right? Now we, we can let into heaven. But just the opposite is true. Jesus came down to change our mind about God, right? We need to understand that what he, 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 he could have done so many great things. He willingly went to the cross and went away. Peter's starting to realize that faith is not exactly a head thing. But it's a heart thing. It's also, but is it a heart thing? So let's move to John 21. Uh, and I'm not going to, I was debating whether I wanted to put all those words up there, but sometimes I think I just kind of felt, um, I would like you to go home and read John 21. And after I'm done uh, talking about it, I thought maybe you, it'd be a good idea for you to do that because you'll see after I'm done. So we're in the post-resurrection. John 20, everyone's seen the, everyone's seen the resurrection. And you know what, saints? They didn't get it back then. People don't realize, when tremendous things happen in history, no one realizes it at the time, right? When, 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 when they ele- invented electricity, um, Edison and the light bulb, everybody said, okay, the gas lamps are going to be electric now. And some rich people, they had no idea the age that was coming, right? And people invented the car, and they said, oh, just some rich people have cars. No idea that it would transform society. And the same thing happened when, when Jesus was crucified, buried, and then rose again. Um, remember when uh, he's talking to the people on the road to the, the Emmaus, the two disciples? They weren't clear, right? They said, you know, we thought he was this prophet, and he got, he, they, they crucified him, and they put him in a stable. Now they're talking that the tomb is empty. I mean, they didn't get it. So I'm, I'm just setting the stage. Peter didn't get it either, right? So where's Peter? If you pick up John 21 when you go home and read it later... They're singing around. They don't get what's going on either. Why? Why is Peter's kind of happy? He's kind of sad. Um, some commentators think others don't, but I'll tell you, I think along these lines, Peter and Jesus need a clear, needed a clearing of the air, right? Because Peter had denied him three times. Okay, he he resurrected, but the, he didn't know the magnitude that, that this was the tipping point in history. Nobody knew that was at the point, but he knew Jesus was alive, and he met him with some groups. But Jesus, you know, do you ever have a uh, you have a, cl- a close relationship, kids, wife, a worker, friends, and you really have a blowout, and it kind of hangs there. Where that relationship is kind of strained for a bit. I think there was a bit of that between, uh, not for Jesus, but on Peter's side, it was like, you know, when I see him one on one, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope he doesn't clobber me. You know, I hope I, I hope he says good words to me. So Peter goes off fishing. How many fish did Peter catch? Zero. <laughs> Zero. He took his buddies. 
Now, if you look what he took, he took some friends. Some of them weren't fishermen. I don't know why they went with him. I think everybody was kind of confused. Peter was so confused, he went back to his, he fell back on his own strength. I'm a fisherman. I grew up a fisherman. I'm going to die a fisherman. You know, one of those guys, big, tough Peter. He caught zero fish. Zero. You know what's great about that? God does his best work at zero. God does his best work at nothing. Right? If your life is reduced to nothing, guess what? You're in a good place. Let me give you an example. And this is some of my friends. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to it's, it's tangent to, to what I'm talking about today. But somebody made this example, and I thought I loved it. I can get a little bit scientific. I don't understand these guys, but this is what they tell me. Growing up, remember in school, the universe was eternal. Now they realize it's expanding, right? So it's expanding at something like 40 to 50 miles per second. Expanding into what? I don't know. Nobody seems to know what it's expanding into, right? But if you go backwards... You get back to where there's nothing, right? If you turn the clock backwards, it's, it's reducing, and it gets down to whatever. One particle, there was nothing there. Einstein, with his theory of relativity, and all these scientists have figured out one thing. What, what you need for, to create the universe, what you need for what you call the time-space continuum is three things. Time, space, and matter. Three things, okay? Without space and matter, there's no time. That's the whole thing about Einstein's E equals MC squared. I don't get it. Don't ask me to explain it, but that's what they tell me it's about. So go to the first sentence of the Bible. What does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. Bang! From nothing, God created something. God does his best work from zero. And as somebody said, if that first sentence in the Bible is true, everything else is true. Now, some Christians believe this might be 14 billion year old uh, planet, right? Universe. Because of the way the light travels and that kind of thing. I can't tell you what I believe, but one thing they said to me was, you know, that first sentence comes before day one. So maybe God created the universe, waited around a while, and then created the earth. You know what I mean? Then started creating the earth. That's just, I don't want to get off on tangent. But if that first sentence is true, the rest of it's true. God created time, space, and matter in an instant. And here we are. God does his best work with nothing. And the same with us, saints. From the universe down to, down to just one of us, if we're down to nothing, it's a great place to be. So then, they, Jesus comes on. Here he comes on the scene. And he says, hey, guys, uh, how many fish you catch? Nothing. He says, why don't you fish on the other side of the boat? And uh, they fish on the other side of the boat, and they catch 153 fish. 153 fish. Matter of fact, they brought them up, and, and it was so full, they couldn't bring it into shore. Well, you know what's interesting? Somebody pointed out. Remember in Luke 5, they also, he also did this to them. Cast your net out. What happened in Luke 5 is the nets were breaking. This time the nets weren't breaking. He, this is the final lesson to being fishermen, real fishers of men. Their nets weren't going to break. So they, they, start, they start pulling up the, the, the fish. They can't even get into the boat. It's so heavy. Who realizes it's Jesus? John realizes it's Peter. Who jumps first? Peter. He puts on his clothes and he gets to shore and he says, 
This is it. I got to talk to this guy. We, I, here we are. He gets ashore and he sees. He's alone with, with Jesus for a second. The other disciples are bringing the, the boat and the net in. And he sees the love that Jesus is so filled with him that he realizes everything's okay. Right? You ever have a friend and you, or you had a fight with a close one and then you're back in the room and, and they look at you and you realize it's going to be okay. Right? Everything's going to be fine. We just have to share a few words. By the way, Peter was so happy. What did he do? It says he dragged that net. He took that net by himself out of the water. He was so happy and so overjoyed, he took the net by himself that the other disciples couldn't lift and he brought it to the shore. It reminds me of, remember the Grinch who stole Christmas? Remember when he did that and he, was, and he, and he had the sled and he was going to ruin all Christmas, he had all the packages and he realized the meaning of Christmas and his heart got three times bigger and he stood up and he had the, the sled and he came down. Anyway, um, I think that was, he had a kind of a Grinch moment. He, he realized everything was going to be okay. And that, that the Lord really did love him. And he drags it to shore, right? So, this is where Jesus comes in for the kill. <laughs> the final lesson before he really leaves them. He may, he, he may have visited them a few other times finally on the, before he, he gets ascended. But this is, this is his real final lesson to Peter. And, and, and I want you to just hear me out what happens. Where does restoration start for Peter? Next to a charcoal fire. Remember the charcoal fire from before? Only two places in the New Testament they say the fire is a charcoal. That and that one. Because the point of your greatest failure, God's going to use for your greatest victory and greatest restoration. Whatever you think is a failure, God's saying, I got this. Right? I got this. It's like you get in the, you get in the huddle in, in basketball and you, you got to get the last shot. Who's in there? Oh, Michael Jordan happens to be in the huddle. And Michael Jordan will say, I got this. No problem, right? And Jesus says, I got this, guys. Your greatest problem is going to be God's greatest victory. You know, um, there was a few people here um, that came to my mind when I was talking about fishing from the other side of the boat. I don't think Ryan's here. Ryan, no one's here. Yeah, he's in Florida. Or as I'm sure he's been called a thousand times. Nolan Ryan, right? Instead of Ryan Nolan. Ask him about what happened to him on 9-11. And ask him what happened. He didn't think it this way. But he started fishing from the other side of the boat. Ask him about his life. What he did. And my sister Michelle and then David. And David's not here. But they, who do credo, there's two people that said, i got to start fishing from the other side of the boat. And maybe it's time for some of us, me, you included, we have to start fishing from the other side of the boat. Saints, you don't think your way into a new way of living. You live your way into a new way of thinking. I'm not saying, you know, sell your house and move to Vegas and bet black. And let's not go crazy here. But what I'm saying is you've got to make some changes. All right? Let's, let's decide to fish. Um, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do... Uh, my daily devotionals. Um, I'll tell you what I did. I cut down on my devotionals and my reading because I want to hear him speak. The last two years, I've been running through the Bible. For, you know, you do how many chapters a day if you want to read the Bible? It's uh, three and a half, four chapters a day if you want to do other. So you're reading a lot. 
And I decided, from just for myself, this was just me, I needed to just slow down and do one or two chapters, maximum, and let the Lord speak to me. And just for me, fishing from the other side of the boat, stop reading other people's devotionals. Because I need my own devotional. Right? I can, I can hear uh, um, some of these guys. They have great devotionals. But it's their devotional. It's their light. I need light directly from God. And it may not work for the first couple of weeks or whatever. But uh, that's just me. Okay? But I think maybe you need to just get up earlier, get up later, do something different, take a walk. And, like I do, I have to push the button in the radio and shut it off all these days now. I'm just trying to... Little things... Some people have big things that they decided to fish from the other side of the boat. And they caught 153 fish. I tell my sisters, I wish it was 151. <laughs> that was the house we grew up in in East Meadow. I was like, why couldn't God make it 151? Why does it have to be 153? <laughs> so Jesus starts giving Peter three questions. Right? Jesus, Peter, do you love me? Yes, of course I love you. Why three questions? Same thing. He wanted those three questions where Peter answers in love to override those three denials from the other charcoal fire some just days ago. Right? He said, Peter, like in Revelation 21, I make all things new. So by the time Jesus was done talking to him, he realized it was all... No, God had forgotten. It had been wiped out. It's like he, he, someone on the, wrote three things on the board and then something, somebody took an eraser and, and swiped three times and it was gone. And Peter's life was really changed at this point going forward. And you know what's interesting about this whole restoration process is it wasn't any new information. Right? We think, me, I think, I'm going to get that book and that guy's going to give me the key to the Christian life. My next book is going to set me free. I'm going to read and read and read till I find out what it is. I've been doing that for 40 years, saints. We'll go back to Matthew 22 when they asked Jesus, um, the greatest commandment. And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others. This is the same information. He just repackages it. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, I'm God. So if you love me, love others. Do you see what I'm saying? It wasn't new. It wasn't information that changed Peter. It was, it was connecting with Jesus, and Jesus kind of rewrapping it, and Peter seeing that. Yes, I get it. I guess I do love you. Well, then love others, right? It was, the two, it was the greatest commandment. It was the two of them put together. It, just, it was just written differently. Bang. Mission accomplished. Peter's face moved from his head down through his heart out to his hands, right? He, was, he, he knew, and then he knew, and then he got involved with community. And that's why it's so important with the table saints to get involved with the community. You can have all the head knowledge you want. You can have all the feelings you want. But if you're not interacting with other brothers and sisters who see things differently, we're never going to go. Peter's faith, he was all in. And Jesus was all in him. You know, like they say, like they say in Vegas, in poker, I am all in, brother. It's, it's my time to go all in. And I think if we want to be intact... When these flames get hotter for us, it's time for us to go all in on Jesus. Jesus needs to go all in on us like that. Hmm? Um, if you, you know, you, you can follow Jesus from a distance, like the disciples, the, the 70, and, 
And, but all I'm saying is, here's my one message today is, if you are following Jesus from the edge of the crowds, I don't care where you're seated in here, from the edge of the crowds, you do it at your own peril going forward. Because at the end, there may be nothing less but us for you. You know what I'm saying? They may come. Listen, you, did, did anybody in Germany after World War I, did any Jewish people think anything like that was going to happen to them? You know, and technology makes things happen quite fast these days, right? So in, in, I'm not saying it's going to be like the first century and they're going to be hating people. I'm just saying it's going to get much tougher to be a Christian. And you have a choice. You can either, you can either go out into the world or you could say, you know what, I, 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 this is real. I, you know, I'm going to, this is the ship. I'm going to go down with this ship. I believe in this Jesus. It's time for me to go all in on him. And I think I was going to uh, share this um, when things got in the way. I was traveling at the end of last year. And I think it's a good message for the beginning of the year where you can say, listen, I need to just take a, a day or an hour and just sit back and do some thinking about how do I get closer to the Lord? How do I stay closer to him in that flame? Right? Because those flames are real. And I mean, I know I, I, I could have easily shared about Christ uh, in my work some years back. I can't today. I can get sued probably if I start sharing that today. And so can you. I'm just saying, please read the signs of the times. I may be way ahead of schedule, or it may happen tomorrow. But if you see what's going on around us, outside of the move of the Lord, there's going to be some difficulties coming for your, our faith. It's just, it's just it, the Wall Street Journal, uh, there was an article today, and the, and the headline read something like, is it me or is society detaching from its moorings on a daily basis? And all of us feel that way, don't you? When you're deep down inside, you think, you know, especially those of us a little bit older, when we grew up, it was a bit different, right? It was, it was a bit more, I don't know, you, you find the word. You know, uh, like Martin Luther said at the council uh, 500 years ago, there's nothing, I, the, all I could do is stand here, and that's what I do. I stand here and tell you what I have to do. Um, I want to close with a poem about something. When I'm talking about being all in, we have to be all in. And we have to let Jesus all in. Right? I mean, it's, it's got to work both ways. Right? Eat his flesh, drink his blood. He comes in us. We have to be in him. You know, you know the scriptures. This is a poem uh, written in the 1940s by a sister. The father knocks at my door seeking a home for his son. Rent is cheap, I say. I don't want to rent. I want to buy, says God. I'm not sure I want to sell, but you might come in and take a look around. I think I will, says God. I might let you have a room or two. I like it, says God. I'll take two. You might decide to give me more someday. I can wait, says God. You know, I'd like to give you more, but it's a bit difficult. I need some space for me. I know, says God, but I'll wait. I like what I see. Hmm. Maybe I can let you have another room. I really don't need that much. Thanks, says God. I'll take it. I like what I see. I'd like to give you the whole house, but I'm just not sure. Think on it, says God. I wouldn't put you out. Your house would be mine, and my son would live in it. You'd have more space than you ever thought you'd have before. I don't understand at all. I know, says God, but I can't tell you about that. You'll have to discover it for yourself. 
That could only happen if you let me have the whole house. A bit risky, I say. Yes, says God, but try me. I'm not sure. I'll let you know. I can wait, says God. I like what I see. So I'd like to end on a good note because I thought as I read through this, I, I'm sort of sending out, you know, red lights, amber lights, that things are not going to get as good. It wasn't the best message. But the final point is God likes what he sees in you, saints. He wants to protect you from what's coming. He wants to protect you because he loves you. And he's called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And it's our choice what we have to do. We can, we can, be, we can be falling from a distance or we can get close to him. Because when the flames come, well, as they say in shipping, you better batten down your hatches before you get into the storm. Because if you're not ready when the storm comes, you're not going to make it. And if we're not ready, saints, when that time comes, when people say to you, listen, I give you this job, but I see down here that, tell me about yourself. Do you go to church? Yeah, well, we can't hire you because we don't want your kind in here. I know the black community has heard that phrase before, and it's going to happen to all of us. That day is coming. It may not come in our life. It just seems to me, red, there's a red sky at night. There's, there's a red sky in the morning is the worst, right? If you've been out at sea, if you're a farmer... Red sky at night, sail is the light. Red sky in the morning, sail will take warning. All I'm telling you, saints, is to me, I see red skies in the morning. But God likes what he sees in you. And he's going to protect you from those flames. It's up to us to just say to him, God, head, heart, mind. You know, there was this one preacher, and I have to keep it clean because it wasn't clean, but a very famous preacher, someone asked him, do I follow God with my heart or my head? He said, you don't follow him with your heart and head. You follow him with your butt. Meaning, everything's in. Where you are, is that it, right? You, if you're in the candy store, you're gonna, you're, he's with you. If you're in school, you have to be all in. Your whole body has to be in with him. Head, heart, mind, hands. You're either all in or you're not all in. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Sims. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.